Uh, so my name is Alex Ryden. I'm the founder and CEO of Guest House. Uh, we bring re retail to real estate and stage homes that you can shop. Uh, we're located in Denver, Colorado, and we are live in all of Colorado and Southern California. Welcome to Startup Ecosystem, No Stupid Questions, where we unabashedly dive into the topics and questions that most startups and entrepreneurs are smart enough not to ask in public. Here's your host with all of the stupid questions, Joseph Hacker. Hey guys, thanks for watching another episode of Startup Ecosystem, No Stupid Questions. I'm here with Alex. Alex, so tell us a little bit more about your company. Um, you're here in Denver, and so we're going to kind of dive into uh, your experience in raising your seed round and getting your company growing. You've got some amazing people with some amazing credentials. So uh, can you start out with just kind of an overview of your company? Yeah, so Guest House, uh, the vision with Guest House is we're bringing retail to real estate. Uh, we saw an incredible opportunity four years ago to help realtors and, and agents really uh, stage homes faster with better inventory than ever from real brands that people would actually buy. Um, and then an opportunity for the home buyer to never have to move into an empty home again. So by operating as a marketplace inside the staging uh, and real estate market, uh, we're, we're able to solve a lot of problems, both for the agent and home sellers and, and home buyers. Uh, we're, we're excited about how the business has grown, uh, essentially. The way it works is you hire us to stage a home. Everything we bring to the home is completely shoppable. So the furniture, the artwork, all the goods inside can be purchased with one scan of a QR code, instantly populates on your phone. Um, and then you can check out online. You can add a room to cart. You can add an entire home to cart. If you're not ready to check out, uh, we have the ability to get a free design consult because we know people that buy homes often are uh, inundated with lots of challenges and lots of uh, headaches. If we can help alleviate some of the stress around furnishing a property, uh, we, we want to be there 100%. So uh, a few different ways to work with us, but the main premise is we stage homes that you can shop. Very cool, man. Uh, so I had to, we were talking before we started filming, uh, kind of in the same market, same area. Yep. I've been in uh, the home staging space for about four years now. Awesome. Uh, so, dude, I love love what you're doing. Um, so now you've raised rounds of funding. Now, uh, what was that process like for you? Have you uh, started a company before? Um, I, I have started a company before. Um, that one was... Uh, bootstrapped as in I mean to the theme of no stupid questions sometimes people ask what bootstrapped is here's a definition it means uh, literally picking yourself up by the bootstraps and getting it done right so all just my own cash uh, me, and, me and my business partner uh, that was our first business out of college uh, it was called age carriers and we made backpacks briefcases and duffel bags actually in Southern California so um, that business started as kind of vision was Everlane for bags and uh, that was, uh, while that business ended up um, kind of going in a different direction, it started Guest House. So uh, the, the origins of Guest House were really that, well, we were selling in different retailers with age carriers. We didn't love the relationships and uh, didn't love the wholesale model. So we looked for a retail space of our own. Couldn't afford anything at the time in Denver, but was buying a house and realized that the zoning was mixed use, meaning you can run a business and live in here. Mm -hmm. So decided to say, hey, what if we sold the bags out of here on the weekend? Well, business partner was like, let's do it. 
So we sold Saturdays and Sundays. We sold, uh, and sometimes Fridays, we sold briefcases and duffel bags out of our living room. We'd invite people in, put a sandwich board outside, serve up some espresso. And what ended up happening was people came in and said, hey, the bags are cool, but what about your couch? What about your coffee table? What about that lamp? Is that stuff for sale? Said no, but maybe it could be. So we made our whole home a shopping experience, what Guest House does today inside of lots of real estate listings. Uh, started in my house. People came inside, shopped the space, uh, started to talk to some friends in real estate, and they said, why don't you do what you're doing in your home inside our homes, and we'll pay you to do it. It's called staging. I said, great, let's do it. Let's try it out. So we ended up getting basically our marketplace model. We spun up inside of our own home, inside lots of amazing listings in Denver, right when the market was starting to really pick up and uh, a lot of development was starting to happen and there's just beautiful spaces hitting the market and beautiful venues to sell furniture and artwork and decor through um so yeah that that was my first business was making bags but it actually spun into uh the business i'm running today so uh i like to think they're they're brother or sister businesses whatever you want to call them <laughs> yeah i i love and and for our viewers and listeners um you know businesses evolve i don't know if you know but um slack slack was a gaming platform yep. and it had a neat little communications kind of widget internal built in. tool for the yeah. team yep and when the game didn't succeed which a lot of startups won't yeah uh it evolved and he peeled a feature out and it became slack highly highly successful so yeah. uh that you don't get it right the first time uh, but it evolves i think it's better that it evolves so absolutely with your uh with your company so so you bootstrapped at first uh stupid question when when did you start to realize that you were onto something and you needed more capital and, and you really started getting into that startup space. Uh, absolutely. Um, so we had, we had bootstrapped the business for the first three years uh, of guest house uh, life and really we're just working one-on-one -on -one with lots of agents, developers, uh, taking the model we had built and starting to take the profits and reinvest in not only the team but into tech. And we had built a platform that basically is the first uh, kind of Postmates-like experience for a real estate agent to get staging. You order it online, you pay for it, uh, you see your mood boards, gets delivered. That was the first version that was built actually before we had uh, funding. So we were really lean, but had got to this point and started to see that demand for now that tool along with this high quality inventory we're offering through the e-commerce model, uh, really demand for that to pick up. Uh, well, I didn't have more cash for more developers on the platform. And I certainly didn't have more cash to just accelerate into a much larger warehouse at the time with lots more inventory to, to meet the demand of customers. So started to talk to some friends and, and, and folks in the um, community here and in, in the tech community and was introduced to a great fund called Range Ventures that was just starting at the time. Uh, met Chris Erickson over there and we hit it off, shared the vision and, and he and uh, his partner Adam Burroughs uh, really got me excited about the idea of fundraising and taking what we had kind of incubated here in Colorado to a uh, eventually national level. Um, and so we ended up saying, great, let's do it. And we got a term sheet for them from them. And then over the course of a few weeks, we closed uh, our seed round, a $3 million seed round to build a full-time team around this and not shoulder every single uh, task on my own <laughs> anymore. And 
while it was a relief for a bit, it got really exciting right away too. So, so stupid question on that. Uh, and, 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 uh, and I just had this conversation with another friend of mine. Um, we hear these stories of like, like, you know, a few days later, you guys pull down that seed round, but, um, I've got to assume you, you didn't know anything while you were bootstrapping or prior about equity exchange or how to structure the deal or how did you learn all of that? Yeah. I mean, a, there's a lot of resources online today. Y Combinator has lots of free resources, whether it's forms or guides on how to build your cap table and, and think about ownership over the course of your company's lifetime. Um, I was lucky enough to have some amazing resources in the community, an amazing advisor, uh, advisor um, Austin, uh, who has been there since day one, and he's had successful exits with uh, tech businesses. I'd worked in tech before this, so I understood relatively not being the founder, but understanding the dynamics of fundraising and um, and the expectations with that and, and everything else. So, um, you know, between having just amazing people in my in my circle and um, a little bit of background of my own, it wasn't super fish out of water to go into it, but I had never worked at a fund. I had never raised a pre-seed before. So there's absolutely a giant learning curve, right? And um, you kind of, you just continue to just, you know, Get, put yourself into uncomfortable situations and absorb it. And then the next time you'll be a little more comfortable. Now, uh, another stupid question. So people are attending events. And now that we're kind of getting back to in-person events, people are getting out and they're, they're hitting the mixers and the networking stuff. Where do you find the people that you found uh, advisors and, and these people with great advice? And because and. Uh, a, a three million dollar seed round, or, or did you call it a seed round? Because you didn't even—it was a seed round. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it is substantial, and congratulations on that. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, not easy though. So there's a lot of people that attend all, all kinds of events. They go to Denver Startup Week. They're at all the different yep. founders events, and they're not finding those people. How did you find them? Uh, that's yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I was introduced originally to um, Austin through a, a friend, Danny Newman, who's been uh, very involved in tech stars and um, tech community out here. Danny was introduced to me through a customer and a friend, uh, Jorgen Jensen with Slate Real Estate. So honestly, it started with a customer. You know, I, I'd say don't I, my my advice, at least, you know, party of one over here is that uh just get out there and try your business model. Don't worry about raising money. Just try it. Try finding customers, getting feedback in the early days is the most important exercise you'll ever do. So um, I would say get, be less less gripped on finding the right advisors and the right uh, investors early on and just find customers. And once your business starts to work and you shape it with them, uh, you'll start to find a path naturally on where to go next. I, I, I love that response. Um, I see all too often people, they've got an idea. They start running out and trying to raise money for it. Like you don't even have, you haven't even validated the concept yet. You haven't, haven't put anything into it yeah. or they go right into the pitch deck. Yeah. And you're like, that's, that's not forming a business. It's yeah. Like, I, I think people don't get me wrong. Like I'm super 
thankful for the round that we raised. And I think it's amazing to have people that are way smarter than me in our court now, um, where we've, we've raised money from well-known funds that are in states outside of Colorado, California, New York, um, Detroit. Um, don't get me wrong. I love that opportunity being able to raise the money, but I think sometimes people romanticize fundraising a little too much and they're not actually focused on solving a need or solving a problem, but that's what they're investing in is that you're solving a problem, right? So let's say you don't actually have product market fit and you don't actually have real customers, but you go and close that round. Well, you're going to be a lot more stressed than someone who had customers in the beginning because they're going to have confidence around where to direct those funds. They're going to at least have a little bit of a roadmap on where to go next with growth. Um, but if, if you raise money without anything and you haven't really gone out and proven the, uh, the, the thesis that you're trying to prove, then uh, you're going to be sort of, sort of shooting, you know, uh, shooting in the dark a bit. It's just not, it's, it wouldn't, it, to me, that wouldn't be fun. Uh, I, I wanted to prove that we could solve a problem. We had real customers, real revenue, real growth before I asked anybody else to trust me and take their money. I took that very serious. It's, there's a lot of venture capital out there, but it doesn't mean to just take it because it's there. I wanted to prove that we had something worth investing in. Yeah. Uh, so if you, though, if you follow, I don't know, all the different, uh, for the last couple of years, we've seen a bunch of YouTubes and, and Zoom panels and conversations. Yep. And I don't know, but, and, and, and mind you, you're coming at it from, I'd, I'd say, a different angle. You, you guys bootstrapped it. You guys were doing it. Um, it evolved into this and then you realize, Hey, I need more help with this. Um, a lot of, a lot of small business owners, cause you guys approached it more as a small business. Um, a lot of small business owners would look for loans. Uh, you were clued in through a customer into raising funding, uh, which was awesome because that, that angel investment and that, that, I don't know, I want to call it free money, but it's not uh, money based off of pre-sales and, you know, like a small business would be or a small business loan would be. Yeah, it's based on the future. Yeah. Not yeah. the past. Yeah. And, and that's the whole idea with angel investment and, and then ultimately venture capital. Mm -hmm. um, but if you were to just tune into a Zoom call from Founders Institute or some of these big venture capital companies, yep. they're always talking venture capital, venture capital, venture capital, venture capital. And the truth is most startups will never get to the VC phase. They just won't ever get there. Um, again, you kind of came at it different from bootstrapping an evolution into. Um, what are your thoughts on, on and I, I mean, you kind of shared it a little bit, but what are your thoughts on raising venture capital too soon, too late? How does that go? Well, I, I hadn't, you know, before Guesthouse, I had an experience being part of a team that raised venture capital without ever making a dollar before they closed those funds. Uh, they didn't raise from any big institutional investors, but it, it was, you know, some angels, you know, larger angels, like super angels. I um, mean, it was a lot of money. And, uh, and I saw that money fade away pretty quickly. Now, yeah. money doesn't solve problems. I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> like yeah. money is a vehicle to help you solve problems. You gotta figure it out at the end of the day. Uh, you can't just throw money at it. So. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of different perspective on fundraising. And if you have a very specific, uh, you, you should just be 
you should have a specific goal in mind and, and have a specific vision in mind if you're going to go out and raise it, not just raising it because it's an alternate, uh, you know, alternative to uh, a bank loan or something like that. You know, I did, and by the way, we've done SBA stuff during the pandemic and PPP, and uh, we're super thankful for, for those types of loans. And like before venture funding, that helped bail us out a little bit and help bail out a lot of people. So I, I think debt can be a valuable vehicle too, but again, know how you're going to use it. And, and, you know, if, if you have a clear use case for debt, maybe that's a better path than, than VC, you know, VC is all about your, you're going big with this. And if you're ready to do that, then go down the route of, of raising venture capital and go big. Yeah. Venture capital funding has been referred to as rocket fuel. Uh, and, and you don't just dump rocket fuel in a car. You, you've got to really make sure that it's, it's ready for that. Yeah. Um, so we didn't get into it too much off air, but um, so it sounds like you were involved with a startup before that didn't necessarily have a revenue model, but raised capital. Your model, you guys evolved, you guys had a product, you guys bootstrapped it, and then you raised capital. What would you say was the different? Because that's a unique experience getting to try both. What was what was your take on that? Um, well, just to be clear, the first business had a revenue model. They just didn't prove it out. So, I mean, I can tell you, I'm going to sell you pieces of the moon and charge you. And that's a revenue model, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whether or not you're going to do that, it's a different story. So I think, uh, there's pie in the sky ideas that raise money. And then there's ones that are solving problems and have, you know, product market fit already, or a lot of indicators that, uh, that people will pay for this service and it'll be easy to plug in, right? Because I think the reality that people learn very quickly when they raise money is the clock starts the, mo- the moment funds are wired, right? Like you've got a plan. You've got your your 12-month plan. You've got your 24-month plan. And the, the bigger gaps between, you know, each day in that plan, the bigger the gap's going to be at the end of the year, right? I mean, it's it's simple. It, once people get get into it, they start to realize how complex it actually is, right? Like it's simple on paper and they get into it and they're just, wow, how do we get people to spend this amount of money with us each month? And so you you need to have some level of predictability around your business. Otherwise it's really difficult to model out uh, pro formas and raise around that and deliver on expectations because there's a whole other world of problems that comes when there's a huge gap between what what actually happens and what was promised. Um, And so it's, you know, I, I think for me, I, we probably proved it too far. Like, not not that like uh, we have the most perfect product market fit in the world at all. We're testing lots of different approaches here and figuring out the best way to grow fast. And we're constantly figuring out the best product market fit for what we're building and and our customers um, and shaping it over time. But I think we probably had a little, we probably had maybe a year too many if we you know, really want to look back that we kind of grinded it out. We didn't need to keep proving I could have raised money sooner. Um, but I wanted to get it to the best place to hit plan and, and grow the business and help customers and just have a clear perspective on what we wanted to do once we close those funds. I didn't want to be closing funds and then trying to figure it out. So I think we had the right amount of time, but my advice would just be you know, figure out what you need to have the conviction to say, hey, I want to go raise this amount of money and I can deliver this value uh, and then really define that as a experiment 
and then run the experiment. And when you yield your results, then build the deck and go pitch. So uh, also, and stupid question here, but it sounds like you were always building a company. And one of the fallacies that I see in the startup space is get rich quick. Uh, people think that I've got an idea and suddenly it's going to, it's, they're going to go find an investor and they're going to be off to the races. Um, you were building a business and the fact that you, you, you even in hindsight think you probably could have raised sooner. In my opinion, I think people raise too soon, too often. So what, what is, if you were, could talk to a startup, what would be your advice to them? Oh man, that, yeah, no, it's obviously super subjective and, and situational. Um, you're getting married to this thing and just make sure that you love what you're doing. Like don't, don't raise money just to have a press article about you raising money or something like be passionate about the problem you're solving. And I think most people are, I'm not saying that I'm seeing this as a whole, but if you're, if you're outlining raising money to raising money uh, to be if you're outlining this idea of raising money to be rich right then yeah that's you're going down the the wrong path because the reality is it's there's no guarantees right everyone i don't need to talk about all the the um data that supports you know the the slim odds of having huge outcome right it's it's the odds are stacked against every single person that's raising money it's just about how much how passionate are, are you about the problem you're solving and how much tenacity do you have as a human being, man? Like, I, I, I like to think that um, I'm not the smartest person in the room ever, but I'm, I'm probably the scrappiest. I mean, I've got scars on my hands from moving furniture, and I, I don't think, sometimes founders don't think about that scrappy level. Like, go cut your teeth, go, go, if you're creating a grocery store delivery app, go deliver groceries for two weeks, right? And like, live it, um, I think, I think some like getting back to the romanticizing fundraising, I think people think of that as a goal versus actually solving the problem. Yeah. Solve the problem and get your hands dirty for a while and then think about if you want to raise money against that problem. Now, uh, so it sounds like, and, and I, I do not mean to simplify this, but it sounds like, so you had a client that introduced you in this whole thing. What was the biggest thing that you were surprised by um, the ecosystem? Did you find it easy to network did you find it easy to find things uh events information kind of share your spin on your experience with the ecosystem yeah i i probably have a similar experience as a lot of recent founders but i think in the long in the long run we'll probably have a very unique experience that's encapsulated in this brief moment of time right of the pandemic so i fundraised uh, you know both rounds we raised um you know we raised more than three million but um haven't announced some of the others but we basically raised a hundred percent of that through zoom and so oh, wow. we didn't meet people in person i didn't so i'm the i'm the founder i guess so i didn't meet people in person uh and i didn't uh fly to different cities because when we kicked this thing off i mean covid was ramping up you know we were ramping up our fundraising so it was COVID. So we, we didn't have a chance to, you know, go and actually go into offices and pitch people. Even in Colorado, you know, we raised half of our round from funds here. I hadn't met some of these folks until, you know, after things had closed. And I think that's, that's been the experience for a lot of people fundraising. 
Um, it doesn't mean we didn't spend a ton of time together because we did. And it doesn't mean those people didn't do a ton of diligence on us because they did. But uh, it just was different than, I think, raising a year before the pandemic or hopefully a year from now um, where it's more in-person and traveling. What that allowed us to do was in, in my mind, raise a lot faster and raise from a, a bigger variety of funds because we didn't just need to target locally. We could actually raise from Detroit. We raised from San Francisco and we raised from New York and I didn't have to travel to those places. Um, and it gave us amazing people on our cap table and amazing connections and amazing, um, investors and, and operators as kind of strengthening the backbone of the business. So, um, yeah, my experience is both based on the pandemic fundraising and, and so it was super efficient. And then also on the local side, it, the, the network here is just amazing. Colorado has changed so much in the last five, even last three to five years. Uh, I, I wasn't fundraising five years ago, so I wasn't in it every day. Um, and I wasn't aware of, of uh, really tech stars and some of those programs that have done incredible work early on to build community here. Um, but bec because of the founder groups, the tech stars, some of these early uh, funds, uh, they've built this foundation for people to move here and, and start to raise money and then funds to open up around here to support more of those founders. And then it becomes cyclical. There's more funds, more founders are moving here. Um, and more funds are, are betting on Colorado companies. And uh, there's amazing, there's amazing uh, you know, networks being built out as a result between investors and founders and, and all that. And we, we've been super fortunate with our investors and range led our round and they were phenomenal and making introductions and connecting us with the right folks and uh, getting not only the round done, but the round, most importantly, the round done with the right people. Um, and so they were huge advocates and, and, you know, they've, they've started their fund with the goal of helping Colorado companies accelerate in this ecosystem, but also out of it and into, you know, larger rounds later on with, with larger, uh, funds and relationships. So, um, yeah, it was a, both a great experience with the efficiency side of COVID and then the, the community and networking side of how awesome the Colorado community is here. So, uh, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit. Um, you said you've got a, a great team uh, in-house. Uh, did your team come from some pedigree companies? And uh, what was the value of team? Awesome. Uh, the value of team also in uh, not only getting the work done, because yep. you guys are very work, uh, getting the job done yep. focused, but also in raising funds. Yeah. The team is everything. I mean, pe people are the business. And I think I've learned that more and more every day. Um, I didn't I, I didn't question that in the beginning, but I didn't realize how impactful the right people can be on your company and on your growth. Um, and so our team is great. We've brought on, uh, early on, I, I brought on a lot of the people that were just amazing at design and staging and, and you know, people that, we're part of the tech ecosystem and things like that, but just some of the hardest working people I've ever worked with. And we brought them on to help set up the, the foundation operationally for the business here in California, and then grew to start to attract some incredible talent. We've hired uh, engineers from Google now. We've hired uh, our COO was the ops leader at apartment list. Um, 
and she's just phenomenal. Our, our head of sales, our, our chief revenue officer, uh, came on from Compass, where he was the president of Southern California um, and has was CMO of uh, Telium before that. So getting just really, really smart people to the table and just um, starting to take some of the burden off my plate and uh, suddenly open my calendar up a little bit, make myself ask, uh, all right, like how, what am I focusing on now? What am I supposed to do? And it's a great problem. I've been able to shift to in- incredible, um, incredible new opportunities and exciting new things as a result um, within the company. And, and, you know, we have bringing the right people on gives you a lot more accountability, gives you a lot more confidence. Uh, and it gives you, uh, it makes it a lot more fun because those people are also great humans uh, on our side too. So adding the right people, both from a experience and output and performance um, level balanced with being an uh, incredible humans in general, I think, or uh, we're, we're doing that. I, I think that's one thing I've been uh, excited about uh, on my end is, uh, you know, pat myself on the back a little bit. I'm like, okay, I'm good at, I'm good at finding the right people, hopefully so far. And then those people are really good at finding the next wave of the right people. And if we keep doing that, I think we'll be in a really good place. Well, I, I appreciate your team building uh, mentality. What is one tip that you could give startups and founders in, who are either getting started or they're looking at that first seed round or uh, what is some some tip that you would be able to give them? Uh, yeah, I mean, don't don't rush to hire, um, you know, hi- hire smart, spend a lot of time on hiring in the beginning. I mean, your job is literally finding the right people in the beginning. It, yes, it's making money and, and growing the company, but you're going to catch up if you have a little bit of gap in revenue, you're going to catch up that much faster if you find those right folks to do it. Um, so spend, I mean, I spent 60% of my time just focused on recruiting and, and getting the right people to the table early on. And I continue to, when we have roles that we need to fill, I continue to prioritize hiring until we fill those because I think that's one of the most impactful ways you can spend your time as an early stage founder. Um, and, you know, I think go to your network and yes, you can post on LinkedIn and get lots of leads and things like that, but go to your network first, you know, go to whether it's your investors or your advisors or just people you really trust, um, grab coffee, meet up. People want to, people want to converse and see each other in person again. And so spend time, uh, with your network and let them know what your hiring goals are and really lean on that network and then invest a ton of time into growing that, uh, uh, you know, growing that opportunity. So uh, how can people find out more about yeah. you and your business? Yeah, so uh, Guesthouse, uh, easiest place to go to get a free staging quote is guesthouseshop.com. Uh, you can also shop any of our homes there at guesthouseshop.com slash homes. And uh, if you want to email me, feel free to shoot me a line. It's just alex at guesthouseshop.com. And uh, yeah, uh, thanks again for having me on. Yeah. Appreciate uh, it. For you guys watching, uh, thanks for watching another episode of Startup Ecosystem, No Stupid Questions. Uh, If you found any information in this episode useful for yourself or another, uh, hit the share button, share this episode with your network. Have a great one. Well, that's it, folks. 
That's another episode of No Stupid Questions in the books. If you would like to be a guest on Startup Ecosystem, No Stupid Questions, simply apply at www.joinincrowdpodcast.com backslash no stupid questions. One last stupid question. Who do you know that could benefit from this episode? Hit the share button and share this episode with a friend or an enemy. Look mom, I made that.